0: Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Hi everyone, my name is Eni Swart. Thanks for joining us and today I want to talk to you about the hidden hand of God. Uh, I recently saw a graph uh, about disasters that that actually studied disasters uh, in the past like the the um, spanish flu and even the new york disasters with the twin towers were destroyed all kinds of disasters and and there's a general pattern of emotions emotional highs and lows that develop there's sort of the the pre-disaster if it's not a disaster that happens sort of suddenly without any warning then it's sort of a pre-disaster um Period where there's the threat of danger coming and people's sort of emotions trickle down a bit then there's the impact that it dips down a bit but then we tend to go in sort of a, a her- heroic phase what they call the heroic phase where everyone's working together and trying to help uh, people who are needy and, and, and really just um, you know getting the bit between the teeth and, and helping one another uh, and, and the emotion actually goes up you know there's a sense of excitement and working together and it sort of plateaus in a honeymoon phase with this uh, community cohesion social cohesion and it's like the old dividing lines sort of drop away and fall away and and we we're, we're, we experience more of a unity than, than we have before. And I think maybe that's sort of the, the, the place where we are. You know, we've been working together. People have been making masks and distributing food. And all of that is that's really good and great. But I think we're sort of at the honeymoon phase. And some people are sort of uh, falling down into the disillusionment phase where people are just really getting over it. And, and the emotional impact of, of the lockdown and of the pandemic is starting to hit people. And uh, in the disillusionment phase, the, the emotions just drop like way low down and people just get tired and the full impact of what this means for, for people in terms of their health uh, for, for our economy and for for, for for us socially just starts to hit home and um, it's only after that and only after quite a while that we start going through into what they call the reconstruction phase and all of that to say just that you know if you're experiencing lots of emotional highs and lows and um, you know you're starting to at this stage feel the emotional impact, maybe the loneliness, maybe you, you're sort of um, locked down by yourself and you're feeling the loneliness, or, or maybe the, just the uncertainty is really getting to you, um, or, or maybe just, um, yeah, the, the, it, it, it's, it seems to go, go on longer than, than, than you thought it would and um, all of that is just getting to you, then then that's normal. You know, it, it's emo- it's normal that there's emotional ups and downs and, and dips. And uh, if you're starting to feel some, you know, digital fatigue, you know, you're tired of Zoom meetings and all that kind of stuff, uh, that's all normal. I think that is hitting most, if not all of us. But what I want to talk to, to us about today is just the fact that what we believe about God actually has a big impact on our emotional state and our emotional resilience and our ability to deal with difficult and uncertain um, circumstances. I think one of the big things that causes people's emotions to dip during this time of disillusionment is just uh, the the loss um, of the illusion of control. And... Um, you know, we can, we can in, in most sort of normal cases, um, life situations, we can maintain sort of the the illusion that we're in control of most of what's going on in our lives. But in, in a time like this, um, and especially, you know, after a while, you know, it, that illusion of control starts falling away. And, and it really starts getting to us emotionally. And I was recently reading through the book of... Um, of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and Joseph, the story of Joseph in Genesis 37 to, to, to 50 really struck me, and just how relevant it is for today and for our situation. So, I just want to talk a bit about that for a while. I'm not going to, um, you know, go through you know, scripture in detail, but I just want to do sort of a helicopter flight over Joseph's life. There's this one place. In Genesis uh, 45, uh, verse f- uh, four and five, where, where Joseph basically uh, says to his brothers, "You know, guys, you know, I, don't don't worry, and don't be angry at yourselves for for selling me as a slave. Of course, God sent me ahead of you to save many lives, as it is today." And um, if you, some of you might know Joseph's story very well. Maybe you've been in church for many years. You grew up in church and you heard the, the Joseph story in. In uh, Sunday school and maybe your parents read it to you. Uh, So so this might be sort of a a very well-known story to you. But um, some of you might not have grown up in church. Maybe the Joseph story is not so well-known to you. Maybe you you saw, you know, a cartoon movie at some stage about uh, the Joseph story. So let me just um, highlight some of the, you know, uh, mention some of the highlights of Joseph's life. Uh, Joseph was uh, born to Jacob. He was um, the 11th of twelve sons, uh, who became the twelve tribes of Israel. Uh, so he was one of the youngest, and his mother um, was was Jacob's favorite. Actually, the wife he'd initially chosen, but he'd sort of been tricked into other wives, uh, and and initially she was, uh, you know, barren and she couldn't have children. But eventually, you know, after ten other children were were born to his other wives, um, his favorite wife gave birth to. Joseph, and, and so Joseph became his favorite son and, it, and the text actually says in, in um, Genesis 3:7 that Jacob loved Joseph more than his other brothers. so there was this favoritism which caused a lot of trouble in their family as we'll see. Um, so um, he was his father's favorite his father made him uh, this, this special cloak uh, often referred to as a technicolor dream coat you know uh, according to the, the you know, famous play on Joseph's life on the musical um and his brothers despised him because of his father's favoritism and he got dreams about his you know him and his brothers working in the fields gathering grain and then their grain bowing down to his and they said oh so now you want to rule over us and then uh, another night he got a dream of um you know the sun moon and uh, ele- uh, 10 stars I think bowing down to him representing his father mother and 10 brothers bowing down to him and even his father was upset about, it, uh, about that and said you know what's this dream you know what's going on here um, so he had these dreams his brothers hated him because of that and because of that one day uh, when, they, when he came to look for them his father sent sent him to go and sort of check up on them uh, clearly they worked in the field and you know because he was the favorite he worked at home and maybe got a special education who knows uh, so he sent his father sent uh, Joseph to, to go and check up on them. He found them in Dothan, and they sort of conspired and said, "Let's, uh, here comes that dreamer, you know. Let's let's kill him or something." Uh, in the end, they decided not to kill him. They threw him into a pit, and uh, and then sold him to to Ishmaelite slavers. So, um, you know, the first sort of waypoint in 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 his life is the pit, um, and he was thrown into the pit by, by his brothers, and then sold as a slave for twenty pieces of silver to these Ishmaelite slavers who took him to Egypt and sold him to one of um, Pharaoh's high officials, in fact, the captain of his guard called Potiphar. So he went from the pit to Potiphar's house. That's the sort of the second important waypoint. And he served as a slave in Potiphar's house. But um, God was with him and God blessed what he did, so much so that, that Potiphar appointed him as um, sort of the, the overseer of his whole household. And he ran Potiphar's whole household. He was also quite a handsome Young man, And so Potiphar's wife took interest in him and tried to seduce him and said, come sleep with me, come and um, have sex with me. Uh, He refused to do that. And so she she falsely accused him and he got sent to to prison. So you have the pit, you have Potiphar's house and then eventually have prison. He got put in the king's prison, in Pharaoh's prison, where Pharaoh's prisoners are are put in. And Pharaoh's cupbearer and Baker had offended him. And so they got sent to prison as well. And they had dreams in prison, and Joseph was able to interpret the dreams. Uh, the cupbearer got a favorable interpretation that he would be restored. Uh, the baker got a not so favorable interpretation that he, that he would be executed, and it happened exactly like that. And David, uh, sorry, Joseph said to the cupbearer, "Remember me when you are restored to Pharaoh, and tell him I'm, I'm unjustly thrown in prison." Um, but the cupbearer didn't. For two years he forgot, and then Pharaoh had a dream eventually about um, these seven fat cows coming out of the Nile and grazing, and then th- seven thin gaunt cows coming out of the, the same Nile and then swallowing up the fat cows. Uh, and he had a similar dream about um, grain, seven heads of grain, and, uh, you know, fat ones and then uh, being swallowed up by, by thin ones. Um, and, and no one could interpret his dreams. And then the, the cub remembered uh, Joseph and he said, there was this Hebrew uh, with us in prison, this Hebrew slave, And he interpreted our dreams and and, and it came to pass exactly as he interpreted it. And in any case, so he went from the pit to Potiphar's house as a slave, uh, to prison, um, and then eventually to the palace uh, and became second in command to Pharaoh himself after he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and and told Pharaoh uh, what to do. So, amazing uh, story. And and if you remember those three pit, uh, Potiphar, prison, And palace, then you'll sort of have a good overview of Joseph's life. But what we learn from it is, firstly, there there were so many things in Joseph's life that he just had no control over whatsoever. If you think about it, he had no control over the fact that he was born to to his father's favorite wife um, and that his father loved him more than his brothers. That was not something that was inside of his control at all. Uh, He had no control over the dreams he had. I mean, dreams by definition are things that you get while you sleep. So you're not even fully conscious while you get them. So you don't have control over them. So, um, you know, even though his brothers and his, you know, like I said, here comes the dreamer. And even his father said, you know, what are these dreams, you know, uh, sort of almost accuse him of the dreams that he got. He had no control over that. He had no control of his brother's um, response in, in their jealousy, you know, because he was loved more. Um, he had no control over the fact that his father sent him out to go and check up on his brothers and that initially couldn't find them uh, and this guy found him wandering around where his brothers were supposed to be I think it was at him, some, him somewhere uh, and he said, no, no, I heard your brothers say they're going to Dothan you know, he had no control over the fact that they went to Dothan and, and that that stranger actually found him there and sent him to Dothan and, and you know, when he arrived there they saw him coming a long way off He had no control over the fact that they conspired together initially to, to, to kill him um, and um, he had no control over the fact that Reuben then interceded and said, let's not kill him. Let's rather just throw him into this you know, dry pit and keep him there. And, um, so so he, he stayed alive. He had no control over the fact that just at that moment, Ishmaelite uh, slavers came by and his brother saw them. And Judah said, well, you know, let's profit from this. You know? Let's not kill him. Let's sell him to the slavers. You know, so we can at least get something out of this. Um, so he had no control over the, uh, that. He had no control over the destination of the slavers. I mean, um, he was supposed to end up in Egypt. He didn't know that. He didn't even know the slavers were going to, to Egypt. His brothers didn't even know the slavers were going to Egypt necessarily. So they sold him and the slavers took him to Egypt. He had no control over the fact that he was sold to Potiphar, who was the, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. He had no control over the fact that... Um, a part of his wife would seduce him and, and unjustly accuse him of trying to uh, sexually assault her and that he'd go, get thrown into prison. He had no control over the fact that the prison that he got thrown into was Pharaoh's prison so that when Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker offended him, they got put in exactly the same prison and he got contact with them. He had no control over the dreams they had, uh, which he, he then interpreted for them. Um, He had no control over the outcomes of the dream. He had no control over the fact that the cupbearer forgot about him for two years and said nothing to Pharaoh. And only after two years when Pharaoh got the dream, once again, something over over which uh, Joseph had no control. He had no control over over Pharaoh's dream. But but then at at exactly that right moment, the cupbearer remembered him and his gift uh, to, to able to not only have dreams but interpret dreams, which is a kind of a prophetic gift. Um, and that Pharaoh then called for him. Um, he had no control over the fact that God gave him the interpretation of the dream, the correct interpretation and the wisdom of how to deal with the situation. And he had no control over the fact that Pharaoh then decided to appoint him. Pharaoh said, you know, where can we find someone as wise as this in whom is the Spirit of God, you know, and, and appointed him second in command, gave him his signet ring and said, you know, um, only as far as the throne is concerned will, you, uh, will I be greater than you, but you will control everything in Egypt. So he had no control over any of those things. And, you know, so often in this situation uh, with the you know, COVID-19 epidemic, with the lockdown, um, some of you, uh, some of us might be in danger of losing our jobs, um, maybe in danger of losing our businesses, uh, you know, our income. Uh, we might have to go into uncertain circumstances where, where there's danger of us getting infected. Some of us working on the front line as doctors um, or, uh, you know, uh, medical staff so there 's so many things that we don 't have control of and for, for many of us you know in, at this stage that you know illusion of control has been shattered and we can it, it can take us into a deep emotional low unless we realize that God works despite us God works even when we 're not in control God is in control of the things that we 're not in control of and we know that in the, in the life of david in, in the life of joseph because Right at the beginning, before all these coincidences and uh, happened to him, before all these sins were committed against him by his brother and by you know part of his wife, um, before all of those things happened, God in a dream already showed Joseph what would happen in the end—that he would end up being in a place of rulership, um, and that his brothers, his, his own family, would bow down to him. So we know God was in control of all of these things. These things seem like coincidences, but but God was actually in control um, of all of that. Now, the question here is, can we, like Joseph, trust God with the things that we are not in control of? now it's it's not as easy as it looks because with Joseph, we know the outcome of the story, but remember that while Joseph was going through it, while he was in the pit, while he was in house, while he was in prison, um yes, he had the dream that told him if he believed it, ultimately what the outcome would be but he, he, he was going through it, so he couldn't see the outcome of, this very situ- of those, those very situations, of him being sold as a slave and being unjustly placed in prison. He couldn't see the outcome uh, from where he was, and we cannot see the outcome um, directly from where we are now. And, but Joseph learned to trust God with the things that he could not control. Um, and, and we need to learn to trust God as well with the things that we cannot control. We need to trust God that He is good and that He's working all things together for our good. In the end, Joseph, in, in chapter 50 of Genesis, Joseph says to his brothers, um, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. In uh, that scripture I refer to in, in Genesis 45, Joseph um, says to his brothers, "You know, don't worry, you, yes, you sold me as a slave, but God sent me. God basically sent me ahead of you to save many lives as it is today. And the question we have to face is, can we trust God with the things that we don't control and that we can't control? Even more than that, I mean, so often, I mean, while Joseph was in in pit in, in the pit and, and in the prison, you know, surely he, he, he looked at the situation and thought, you know, can anything good come out of this? You know, can, can God be in this? Uh, it, it doesn't look like God's in it. It doesn't look like God's with me. And yet over and over, you know, whether it's in part of his house where he's working as a slave, you know, who has basically uh, no rights, or whether he's thrown into prison unjustly, over and over again it says the Lord was with him. And I just want to encourage you with this. Even though your circumstances look bad, even though you are in adverse circumstances, even though you're faced with a lot of uncertainty maybe even some injustice, maybe even sins committed against you, maybe a lot of uncertainty and things seeming to go really wrong, that does not mean that God is not with you. See, God was so with uh, Joseph that even in these adverse circumstances, as a slave and even in prison, uh, Potiphar and the prison warden could see that God was with him. So much so that, that he got uh, appointed as, as you know, the prison warden said, you, you run the whole prison. Um, and so, when you look at your circumstances and see, okay, things don't look great, that doesn't mean that God is not with you. In fact, God is with you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then God is with you. Exactly because of the fact that... Um, god was not with jesus on the cross in a in a sense that jesus said my god my god why have you forsaken me so that in other words, in the most difficult circumstance god um turned his back on on jesus so he would never have to turn his back on us and god is with you can you trust god that is in control of the things that you cannot control can you trust god with the things that you cannot control that are outside of your control um Corrie Ten Boom, a famous Dutch, uh, you know, evangelist and minister, uh, lived during the Second World War and she was in a Nazi concentration camp uh, with her father and her sister, whom she loved very much. And both of them eventually died and, and Corrie was the only one who survived. And she tells the story of being in the concentration camp and their barracks. Uh, you know where the word was obviously you know squalor and, and filthy circumstances and there were lots of fleas and lice apparently and you know these would bite them you know and they, they have all these marks and you know it would be itchy and uncomfortable you know where the fleas and the lice and stuff bit them and and she would complain about the lice until her sister told her apparently uh, thank God for the lice and she said thank God for the lice are you crazy why should I thank God for the lice uh, and his and her sister said I don't know but God says you know be thankful in, in everything um, in any case, to make a long story short, um, there were lots of different barracks in these concentration camps. Uh, and apparently the Nazi soldiers used to regularly go into the other barracks and, and rape the women. But they never came into their barracks because of the fleas and the lice. And, and even so, even that suffering, you know, at the hands of the fleas and the lice, God was using for their good and to protect them. Um, and so often God does that with us. You know, things that seem like suffering and hardship to us, God is actually using to protect us and for our good, and not only for our good, but for the good of many others as well. Corrie ten Boom came out of those Nazi concentration camps with a stronger faith and with stories of God's faithfulness that have actually changed the lives of thousands, maybe even millions of other people as well. Andy Stanley says, God's hand might sometimes uh, be invisible, but it's never inactive. We might not always be able to see what God's doing, but God is always working even in the things that we cannot control. Um, so you might say to me, but, oh, Jenny, you know, shucks. Uh, does that mean I must just, you know, give up all control to God and and, you know, make peace with the fact that I have no control and just sort of be passive? No, 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 that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying it's unavoidable that there are certain things that we're not in control of and we must trust God that He... Uh, can actually be in control of those things, but there were also things in Joseph's life that he could control, and in those things he was he was faithful. And um, for instance, it's it's very clear that Joseph worked really hard, whether it was in, as, as a slave in, in Potiphar's house or whether it was as a, a prisoner who had unjustly been imprisoned in in, in the in Pharaoh's prison. He clearly worked very hard, so much so that both Potiphar and the prison warden handed over the management of 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 his house, part of his house, or, and, and the entire prison, to Joseph. And you had, they had this weird situation where a prisoner is running the entire prison on behalf of the prison warden. And we need to work hard, be faithful, have integrity, be diligent, be obedient to God. But, but here's the thing. The text says over and over again that even though Joseph clearly worked hard and was diligent... That was not the decisive factor. It was because the Lord was with him that everything that he touched turned to gold, that everything he, he did prospered, um, that people, so much so that people could see it, you know, despite his adverse circumstances, despite him being a slave and a prisoner, people could see it and say, yeah, everything that he does is just blessed and, and, and just prospers. Uh, we must put him in charge. And the reason for that was because the Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord had favor on Joseph. In other words, even in the things that he could do, even in the things that he had control of, even in the things uh, where he had certain abilities, Joseph trusted God. So in his natural abilities, he was clearly a a good manager, a good administrator, which is a a wonderful gift. Um, He was also, he had spiritual, he had those natural abilities, but he also had supernatural abilities. He he had a prophetic ability to dream dreams and even interpret dreams, uh, which is part of the gift of prophecy. But in those things, he trusted God. I mean, if he didn't trust God, he would have just sit, sat in prison and just given up and just said, I'm just going to lie and rot. There's nothing I can do. But he trusted God. and He wasn't passive. He worked hard in prison. Uh, clearly, he made himself useful. When, when the opportunity to interpret dreams came from, the, uh, f- from Ferris Baker and, and Caberia, he, he, he trusted God and he interpreted the, those dreams. So we, we mustn't only trust God with the things we can't control, but we must also trust God with the things we can control. Um more than that, uh, Joseph um, was also faithful to both Potiphar and to god i mean when Potiphar 's wife you know over obviously a long period of time tries to seduce him uh, she he he keeps saying no so so much so that he runs away from her avoids her and he says he wouldn 't even be with her um, and when when she eventually you know catches him alone and grabs his cloak he he, he sort of tears himself out of his cloak and he, and he says to her um, you know how your my master Potter has been good to me is he hasn't withheld anything from me except you his wife you know how can I sin against him? Uh, but more than that, how can I sin against God? In other words, in the midst of the suffering, he didn't say, "Well, you know, I'm suffering, so so you know, clearly God's not good." I prayed um, in the pit at Dothan. I, I prayed, you know, when the slavers were taking me to Egypt. God never heard my any of my prayers. You know, I, I'm, I'm giving up on God. He never said any of that. He still trusted God. He still lived for God. And he still lived with integrity and and godliness before God. You know, he lived in a way that he, he, he tried to live in a way that. That pleased God. Even when he knew it would cost him something. Even when he knew that part of his wife had control over him. Uh, and could make life very difficult and unpleasant for him. Even at great cost himself. He was faithful to God and obeyed God. Even probably when no one would have known about it. I mean, she was trying to do this secretly, you know, uh, seduce him secretly. Um, so possibly no one would even have known about it. But even though no one would know about it, he said, listen, I'll know about it and God will know about it. And I'm going to be faithful to God. Uh, in this." So, so in, in, in the areas in which he had control, he trusted God. He trusted God that, um, you know, to do the, so much so that he did the right thing, even when it was dangerous for him to do the right thing. Uh, more than that, he, he forgave his brothers. Um, and he forgave Potiphar and, and, and his wife, you know, for throwing him unjustly in prison. When he was second in command, I mean, both Potiphar and his wife were actually subject to him. When his brothers came to, to ask for grain in Egypt, you know, he, he, could, he had all the power in, in the whole of Egypt, which was the superpower of the day. He could have taken revenge if he wanted to. And yet he had in his heart, and, and clearly he had worked this through with God and said, God, you're in control. I don't have to take control by, uh, by taking revenge. I'm going to trust you that you're going to make things work out um, the, the way that, that you should. So even though I have control now and I can take revenge, I'm going to trust you with the things I can control. I'm not going to take revenge on, on Potter's wife, even though she had me thrown into prison. Now I spent there more, more than two years in prison unjustly. Um, I'm not going to take revenge on my brothers, even though they sinned against me and sold me as a slave. They betrayed me. Um, I'm not going to take revenge on them. And the question we have to ask ourselves, are, are we like Joseph, not only willing to trust God with the things that we can't control, but also trust God with the things we can control, with our abilities, our natural and our supernatural abilities. Um, You know, to do right, even when it's costly and dangerous to do the right thing. Uh, To forgive. I mean, you have to trust God to be able to forgive. You have to trust God that ultimately He'll make the books balance. He'll make justice happen. And Joseph clearly did that. And the challenge to us is, are we willing and able to do that, to trust God in all circumstances? Um, you know, it, it, it takes trust to, to, to forgive. You know, you might have, have, have um, had people treat you unjustly. It takes uh, trust in God to do the right thing when it's costly, when you can actually get away with doing the wrong thing. And many of you at this time might be tempted to do the wrong thing because there's pressure, because... Uh, financial uh, pressure uh, or something like that and and you can maybe do a deal sort of under the table or uh, you know unjustly or something Um, but then to do the right thing and trust God that he will provide for you it takes trust to um, you know to serve with your natural and supernatural abilities in adverse circumstances can we trust God even with the things that we can control and then finally God doesn't only work despite us And God doesn't only work through us and we should trust Him in all of that, but we should also trust God to work beyond us. Uh, Joseph, eventually looking back, would say, yes, you sold me as a slave, but God sent me ahead of you into Egypt as a slave. Um, It was God sending me to save many lives. And what we see here is that when God works through us, He wants to do more than just affect our lives, more than just bless us, more than just save us. He wants to save many. If you think about it, the whole of Egypt was saved because of Joseph, because of his correct interpretation of the dreams and his wisdom to know what to do in those circumstances. Not only the whole of Egypt, but all the surrounding nations were saved and the people in the surrounding nations were saved, including Joseph's own family, Jacob and his, his other sons. They were all saved because of, J- of Joseph's suffering. He He was sent as a slave into Egypt. He had to suffer so that they could be saved. And in that sense, um, you know, God always wants to do more through our lives. He's always working beyond us, doing more than just bless us or affect us or save us, but also to save other people through us and even through our suffering. But the ultimate example of this, of course, the innocent suffering we're sent to suffer on the behalf of others or for the salvation of others is, of course, Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate Joseph. He... Um, you know, so often when we read the Joseph story, we, we're tempted to think, yeah, like Joseph, we must also suffer so that others can be saved and others can benefit. And, and that is good and right. But we also need to see that we're not just like Joseph. More than that, we're like Joseph's brothers. We're the ones who sin. We're the ones who do the wrong thing. Uh, we're the ones um, who actually need an innocent person to go and suffer on our behalf so that we can be saved. And Jesus was, was that person for us. Um, you know, just like Joseph was for his, for his brothers. Uh, Jesus didn't only go from his father's um, house in, in, in Canaan to, to Egypt, um, Jesus went all the way from heaven to earth to suffer with us and for us. Um, Jesus was not only treated as a slave, but he died a slave's death. Uh, crucifixion was, was specifically the, the, the death that was mostly applied to slaves, runaway slaves, that were crucified publicly. Uh, they hung there naked. They took sometimes days to die. It was an excruciating uh, way to die. It was a, it was a slave's death. Um, and that's why Philippians 2 says Jesus humbled himself, um, even becoming like a slave and dying, even to the point of death on the cross. Um, and, 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 and and Jesus suffered on our behalf, in our place. The suffering that we deserve, he experienced. The suffering that would, would purchase salvation, accomplish salvation for us, he he experienced. And just like jo- Joseph was, was raised up and exalted uh, to the right hand of Pharaoh, so Jesus was exalted to the right hand of the Father. Uh, where Joseph became second in command, Jesus didn't just become second in command. He, he was made king, Messiah, ruler of the whole earth. Um, so that through his benevolent, wise rule, he can save save us. So, you know, the first thing that we need to see is that God works beyond us. Joseph points towards Towards Jesus and and in our suffering we can also point towards Jesus the ultimate heroic sufferer um, who who saves um, but and, and and we all need that we need a Joseph to be sent to suffer for us and and Jesus is that one he's the ultimate joseph but but more than that through our suffering we can also point to God and point to Jesus uh, just like like Joseph did um, you know so much so that that, that Potiphar, you know, we, we, while he was a slave in Potiphar's house, Potiphar could see that the Lord was with him, that the Lord was blessing him, that the hand was, of the Lord was upon him. Uh, the, the, the prison warden could see that the Lord was with him and that the Lord was having favor uh, upon him and, and put him in charge of the whole prison. Uh, when he was set up as uh, second in command, as governor of, of Egypt, um, Joseph's servants said to his brothers, You know, they spoke to his brothers about the Lord. Now, the the word Lord there is the word Yahweh. In other words, clearly Joseph had testified to them about the Lord and ministered to them about the Lord. So they knew about the Lord and they believed in the Lord and said, listen, the Lord is is, is with you, you know. Um, And they actually preached to Joseph's brothers. Uh, You know, clearly they'd been converted and they trusted in the Lord. You know, even Pharaoh said, you know, where can we find another man like this? In whom is the Spirit of God? You know, where can we find another man that is wise like this? And in that sense, even in his adverse conditions, and in fact, I think he, the adverse conditions, you know, the slavery, the imprisonment, all of that form the contrast against which the favor and the goodness of God could stand out all the more and be all the more obvious in Joseph's life. And and, and the same with us, you know, when we trust in God, um, that God works despite us, you know, that, uh, that when we trust God uh, with the things we cannot control, that God works through us, that we trust God with the things we can control, and that God works beyond us, that, that, that God works in a way that, that saves not only us, but other people as well. When that happens in the midst of suffering and hardship, adverse circumstances, it stands out all the more, and people say, wow, you know, the Lord is with him. His life points to the Lord. Uh, maybe I should believe in the Lord as well. Let us be like that as well. Let us be like Joseph as well. In the, uh, let us first be like Joseph's brothers who trust in Jesus as the ultimate Joseph. But then let's follow Jesus as the ultimate Joseph into his suffering. Let's carry our crosses. Let's suffer with him. And in our suffering, in our imperfection, imperfect suffering, let us point to him as the perfect sufferer who, who saves the world. So I just want to uh, encourage you. And I'll leave you with these questions, and maybe you can discuss them in small group uh, this week. Can you trust God with the things you cannot control? Can you trust God with the things you can control? And can you trust God that He can work through your suffering to benefit others as well, especially at this time of uncertainty? Father God, we just come before you in Jesus' name. We thank you for your goodness, your grace. Thank you that, that you are so much greater than we give you credit for. Thank you that you put your greatness on display in Joseph's life. And thank you that you want to put your greatness on display in our lives as well. And we just surrender ourselves to you. And we want to trust you, Lord, with the things we cannot control. And there are so many things we cannot control. But thank you that you do control them. And you make all things work together for the good of those who love you, those who are called according to your purpose. Thank you that we can trust you with the things we can control, Lord. We just want to surrender our abilities, both our natural and supernatural abilities to you. And say, use them for, for your glory and for our good. And also, Lord, if we need to suffer like Joseph did and ultimately like Jesus did so that others can benefit, we trust you in that, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.